Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your games at home up to the next level. Today's topic, we are continuing talking world building, talking on cosmology and population, as promised earlier. We wanted to get a little detail on those and give you a few ideas to help uh, get you started off on the right foot. Here in the studio today, my name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and... Ed. Hey guys, check out what I made. Just paper men? No, look at the ears. They're paper goblins. And lo, was a race we created. So today we are talking cosmology, that is gods, divinities, and the afterlife spiritual side of your games, as well as populations. Talk about building in uh People, towns, the important, the who's who about your world. Uh, we're going to start off with cosmology, building a pantheon that will service your world. Ed, I'm going to put you on the spot and make you start talking about being a god and what it is to decide what you need to make choices on to populate your world with paper goblins. Well... As, as as a god, you create the paper goblins, and then you set them on fire. And then you create them, and you set them on fire, and so on and so forth. Until you can finally convince them that if they don't listen to what you say, you'll set them on fire. That's true. That's true. Uh, no. Uh, and for our world building, when we talk about cosmology and, and, and um, the people in your world, the population, a lot of it's going to tie in together. Uh, when you're creating your world, you know, we've already talked about well, whether you make it big and go down or, or start uh, small and, and, and go big. One of the things, though, that your players are going to probably ask about is what religions are there? What cosmology you're using? This is especially true if any of them are playing a cleric, druid, paladin or any other religious based class. Exactly. Uh, or even if they just have a religious character who isn't uh, uh, playing a typically religious class. Um, so you want to decide what you're using for pantheons, what you're using for, for your gods. And you can, you can pull from a lot of resources. You know, if you're already in fifth edition, then they already have quite a few that are created for you. Uh, uh, let's see. There's, I mean, there's different gods for some of their different games. I know forgotten realms is different from, uh, uh, like the Greyhawk, which is different from Eberron, which will be different from all their different, uh, uh, sort of source worlds that they have already created. And actually, I believe the fifth edition player's handbook yeah. in the back of the book has an indices of various of pantheons. So not only do they have Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk and Mystaria, but they also give an example of here's the Egyptian gods, here's yes. the Greek gods, here's the Norse gods, here's the monster gods. Exactly. Uh, and those are certain things to think about. Not only what pantheons exist or do not exist, but who worships what. Um, you know, maybe you have a god that is a false god. You know, he says he's, you know, uh, Zeus from the Greek pantheon, but he's really not. There's no other gods that are with him. He's just a powerful being. Maybe he's a storm giant or something that can 
you know, do what he needs to do to make everyone think he's Zeus. But, you know, uh, you really want to decide, are there, uh, are there the different pantheons? Am I going to use multiple? You could, you could say, yeah, if it's in the back of the book, it's, it's available. You know, maybe different lands in your world uh, worship the different gods. An excellent example, uh, Order of the Stick by Rich Burlew, an online webcomic. I believe its website is giantitpgames.com. Okay. Um, but they have multiple pantheons, and the northern gods are the Norse gods. Right. And the southern is the... Um, it's the Chinese Zodiac and there are other gods and pantheons and also explanations as to why it's these gods and not others and where and why there seems to be a gap in the pantheon. Check it out. It's a wonderful story. No, that's right. Uh, and when you're when you're using the uh, the gods there, you can determine, OK, well, maybe the Norse gods like you just stated, maybe they are only in the north and then other gods are in different areas or maybe for the entire world that you're creating, maybe the world is Midgard. So it's all the Norse gods. That's it. You know, or you could even go a step beyond that. Maybe you're not running a fantasy game. Maybe you're running a a superhero game and you want a group of gods to be part of that. Well, Marvel has already done this. The Norse uh, pantheon are essentially powerful aliens. They're gods in the fact that, you know, ancient people would have seen them certainly as gods, but they're just beings that exist for are very powerful and exist for quite a long time. DC did the Greek gods connected in with Wonder Woman and her. Exactly. DC did the Greek gods. Uh, And even a step beyond that, if you go into very futuristic science fiction, you could have pantheons and gods that exist um, and exist in that same form where they are just beings that came before. And maybe your players are discovering about those, some ancient civilizations, or they just encounter those beings. A very good example of this would be in the Star Trek episode, uh, Who Mourns for Adenaeus? Uh, and uh, that features, uh, uh, boy, I want to say the representation of Apollo, who was actually an alien traveling being that Kirk and crew uh, encounter. And he's just the last of his his people, and he he wants the power that he he had before. And of course, Kirk and company say no, we can't do that. And they find out that even though he is, you know, what we would have seen as an all powerful being, you know, uh, back in the time that people would have worshipped him, uh, really there's a power center, there is some sort of technology based around it, and they were able to overcome that obstacle. So those are things to think about as well. But uh, Stargate SG one also did ongoing series sure where the different gods were yeah. turned out to be aliens. Yeah, the uh, just different inspirations to throw out there. Yeah, the original movie, the the god was Ra, and then throughout the uh, series, uh, there was actually an alien species that gave these people their powers. They not only went through the Egyptian pantheon and created more of that, uh, but they stumbled, they went through a number of other pantheons, including the Norse. We had the... Uh, uh, Asgardian? Yeah, uh, including the Norse. We actually had, we met the Asgardians, and, and uh, they used technology to create figments of uh, gods because the Asgardians themselves were actually tiny little gray alien dudes. Yeah, I haven't actually seen the series. I just know some of the stories to it. Oh yeah, no, I'm a big dork. I watched it all. I have a huge list of Netflix. I have to check out. We've we discussed this multiple times in the pre-show. I've yeah. been on the same series for several months now. Sherry doesn't get a lot of time to Netflix and chill. 
<laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I'm too busy chilling to Netflix. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I talked a lot about that, Jared. Anything you, you want to talk about on that? Uh, no, uh, you you know talked to uh, nailed a lot of them. Uh, another one actually, um, I saw. There's an episode of Star Trek Voyager where Chakotay, the Native American based character, meets oh, yeah. like some Native American, like supposedly like the aliens that sprung like a lot of the the religious beliefs of the Native Americans and stuff like that. Um, I don't couldn't tell you the title or episode number. Unlike Ed was spouting that off like he like he knew something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've watched an episode or two of Star Trek. Um, but yeah, no. What I was going to say, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, a lot of Chakotay's episodes revolved around the Native American yeah. heritage, um, which is cool. Um, yeah, I would say you know when you're you're gonna approach you know your cosmology again you know feel free to steal what's already there steal mix up and steal from you know different various sources of pantheons to make your own if you choose. Yeah. All you have to do is you know you don't have to, but you can just rename them if you want to like claim that, that it's your own. But you know Neptune doesn't have to be Neptune or a Poseidon or whatever you want to call him. You know and, you know it doesn't have to be Zeus. He can be you know Larry. You know whatever you want to call him. But you know you can mix up the pantheon. Larry, um, god of the seas. <laughs> Well, you can also, you can do a mixing up those pantheons and essentially the names that have been passed down are simply either how the people that worship them remembered it over, you know, a typo made and passed down and passed down and passed down. And this is the change. Right. Or maybe just we weren't able to interpret their language. So this is the word that we used. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, like uh, Ed had mentioned, OK, well, you know, different regions can have different gods and maybe there are actual different gods or it could be all of the same God, but they're known as different names. You right. know, like the the Romans stole the Greeks, you know, gods. So instead of, you know, being um, uh, uh, Zeus, we have Jupiter. You know, instead of it being Poseidon, we have Neptune and blah, 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 which is, of right. course, where the, you know, the planets in our solar system were named from, the the Roman interpretation of the, the Greek gods. But you can also, of course, create your own pantheon. Uh, the first step to creating your own pantheon, whether it's, you know, inspired by or stolen from other pantheons, is to decide what how many gods you want there to be. You know, the first step in, in um, I think, was it 3.0 had the... Um, what was it? What was the, the deities book? and demigods? Yeah, the deities and demigods right. book, and it talks about it like, okay, first you want to choose: are you monotheistic, which means you have one god, one you know, like like today, if you're a Christian, you have the one god that rules over all, right. and you have dual theistic, which would be kind of a. a depending on how you, if you're not a Christian, but you look at Christianity, you might interpret there as God and the devil, you know, like the polar opposites. You know, if you want to bring devil up to a deity status, right. you know, and again, thinking fantasy, thinking, you know, good and evil, you know, there's a dual theistic society. Then you have polytheistic, which would be, again, be three or more gods. But then there's also animalistic, which, you know, like be more of like a Native American thing where like you believe that all the animals in the, you know, in the world have like a kind of like a spirit guide or spirit God, you know, some sort of, you know, like governing um, yeah, you, uh, you, mystical power. Yeah, so you speak. try to communicate with the spirits. You might have totems, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then there's also just um, there's, you know, animalism. And then there's another one that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um it's the one that's more of like, I think of like, again, it's kind of Native American, but I always think of like more of the Druid side where you just believe that all living things have a natural energy or a natural spirit to it. Um, I almost want to call it spiritism, but it sounds stupid and almost on too on the nose. Spiritualism. <laughs> Spiritualism. Um, I thought you were going to go with a uh, geotheistic where like the la we worship the land and the way that yeah, the, the that's another one, the yeah, which is another very uh, Druid or Native American kind of feel. Yeah. 
So again, you know, you can say, okay, all living things. Uh, in Wrath, I use kind of a weird combo. Like, technically, it's a dual theistic um, uh, cosmology. There is a good god. There is an evil god. I won't get into all the details around how the world knows that um, or doesn't know that. But also, on the druid side of things, there is that all living things have an energy that the druids draw from. Right. So the druids don't pray to a druidic god or a specific god that grants them powers. They literally pray to nature, and nature lends them the energy to, to cast their spells. And you actually uh, kind of remind me of a, another point to make here. Uh, another thing you could you could play around with is maybe you have deities or specific deities. Maybe they don't exist though. Maybe there really aren't any gods, but you have people who believe in that. I mean, that's certainly a hot topic. You know, uh, do God does you know? You'll have people. Does God really exist? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but you have people who believe in it either way. Uh, so without getting into, you know, too much religion here, really getting into that sort of topic, you could do that. You could say, okay, yeah, uh, the, everyone worships the Greek gods. Everyone, you know, has a cousin who's seen Hercules in action, but no one ever actually sees the gods. They never communicate with anybody. They don't do that sort of thing. They don't really do anything. So they're not there. So really, you know, the gods don't exist, but people believe in these things. And of course, you could flip that and say that they're, you know, the gods do exist and have them actually be active in the world, which in some ways, some of the D&D uh, formats is supposed to, you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to have the gods actually coming down and communicating and trying to... Well, at the very least, they're proving their existence by granting spells to clerics and exactly. such like that, you know, exactly. working through their followers. Um, I'm going to try to avoid any spoilers here, but also in keeping in the nature of, of Wrath's looking at some of the fantasy tropes and not necessarily being everything that's expected, the world actually believes in more gods than actually exist. Mm -hmm. So there is an extended pantheon that isn't there um, with just the two existing gods kind of filling in behind the scenes for everybody's duties. And there's reasons behind all that, but it's just another option to have you know, the misconception or towards what actually exists to what people believe. Yeah, I have a very convoluted cosmology. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense if you have access to all the documents and read all the history and all that. It's it's just too much to get into to yeah, try to explain uh, it's, to somebody it's, it's who a can't cross-reference <laughs> what he's written and didn't get experience. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Right. Uh, and then there's also the, the, I guess, the fun cosmology of, in general, the Force. Which right. I think is kind, sure. of, kind, of, kind of like the, the, whole, the all whole living things, all living things. or our own, all things, not even yeah. necessarily living, but typically living is kind of the default terminology. All living things have an energy yeah. that you can draw from. Yeah, that's a, that's a way of being. That's a sort of a religion, too. So instead of perhaps a specific uh, cosmology or set of gods... There's just uh, a belief, an idea, which might actually be another sort of uh, way to do it. Uh, I know, I believe Buddhism is supposed to, no, it's not really supposed to be reflected of the Buddha, but it's, is it supposed to be more of a, uh, more of an idea or belief system? I don't know enough to talk about it without potentially coming off as disrespectful for spouting off about something oh. I don't know. So I'd rather not directly comment on it. 
Well, I know the little bit that I know about Buddhism is like they worship all life and right. that all living things reincarnate and have several lives. And, right. and of course, the karma system, you know, right. like oh, if you're, yeah. you know, you are, you know, live a, a poor life or an evil life or whatever, you know, you, you that will be reflected in your, your reincarnation. Boy, I, th I thought well, I brought that up. I thought one of you guys would know a little more about Buddhism than I did, but uh, I guess not. Hey, any listeners out there, you want to give us a, a rundown of uh, Buddhism? Go right ahead and do that. We clearly don't know what the hell we're talking about on that subject. But, All right, uh, so we're starting a new feature called Let's School Ed. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, school me. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. But one of the reasons we talked uh, endlessly on uh, cosmology is because well, we, you know, Ed and I agreed that one affects the other. Like, you need to know your cosmology to know how the population of your world is going to work. Right. And, yeah. and kind of vice versa. Like, you don't have to choose your cosmology before you choose your population, but you need to choose one or the other and then realize how they're going to reflect on, on the, uh, you know, the other side of it. So if you want to start with your population first and say, okay, well, you know what? I want my world to be 90% elves. Then that needs to reflect in your cosmology. Okay. Like, right. you know, I need to have, uh, you know, my pantheon be not necessarily the gods the, in the form of mostly elves, but they realize that they're going to be catering to mostly elves, mostly, you know, f be fulfilling of mostly like with things that elves are going to care about, you know, wine, nature, you know, music, you know, like maybe a little bit more on the artsy yes, classy indeed. side, depending on what kind of elves you run in your world. Maybe you don't run a lot of high elves. Maybe you're more on the, well, I said 90% elves, but what I meant was 80% wild elves and 10% wood elves. So they're more on the native American, you know, kind of druid side. Uh, think of the Greek pantheon. We depict all of those as, you know, essentially being humans and looking like humans. Uh, maybe, maybe it's a, a heavily uh, elf populated world with matterings of humans and dwarves and, and whatever. Uh, and the most popular religion, the most popular gods are all depicted as elves. So you still, maybe you still have Zeus and Hera and Hercules and all these people, but they're all depicted as elves. So the humans and the dwarves and everyone coming up who make it the small percent of the population, they don't have a representation or maybe they do, but they're considered as some minor god you know or they have twists on the tales about the gods like okay well you know uh, thor is the god of thunder and like we know that they're you know, thor is really a dwarf you know because dwarves and you know thunder and hammers and right. banging and blah 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 but the elves think that he's really an elf and but we drew you know we dwarves know better you know you can you can play off that all day long i yeah. think we already have some examples of that in the existing pantheons you know, if you look at the what D and D has built, they did do the human human centric, and yep. there is a couple of elven gods and a couple of dwarven gods and a god of halflings and a god of gnomes and a god of orcs. Sure, mm -hmm. um, you just kind of swap those out. So if you have the elven centric, okay, make the bulk of them elven, and then the ones that were elven turn those into human gods, and now boom, you got a new pantheon ready to go, sorted out the same way. And again, you have a lot of options. Maybe these gods really do exist uh, exactly the way they're depicted. Uh, maybe these gods uh, are more generic gods, but the people who believe in that religion are fabricating how they exist and how they look. You know, maybe they're just generic gods who have certain abilities, but because elves are the hugest population, they're always depicted as elves, so nobody knows any better. Or again, maybe they don't exist at all, and this is just a fabrication of superstitious people. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, typically I say man as a general term. I don't really necessarily mean human, you know, in this particular context, but typically man is going to put their twist or their interpretation on things. Right. The whole concept of like, you know, the... 
if, if you've ever seen like, you know, and again, I, I don't, I know religion can be a touchy subject, but remember we're, you were referring to games. I'm just right. making references. We're, we're referring to you putting religion in your game and how you, how we can help you do that if you decide to do that. Uh, but if you look at like a movie like Dogma, where like Kevin Smith makes the reference of like, you know, like man puts, you know, his own twist on the stories that were handed down to him or whatever, yeah. you know, where, you know, it's it's kind of a gender bias kind of book, depending on how you interpret it. But that isn't necessarily true that all the stories actually can't turned out that way. It's just that man wrote the book. You know what I mean? Right. So he put his own spin on things here and there. And that same thing, you know, the same concepts can be drawn over into your fantasy worlds where if elves are the big, you know, the largest population, the largest, you know, densest, you know, uh, racial group, and they're the ones that are writing about these gods, of course they're going to depict, you know, the great and mighty gods as elves because they consider themselves the great and mighty race. Right. Or maybe they're an extremely humble species in your particular world, and they try to make sure that everything is fair and equal. So even though maybe behind the scenes they snicker that all the gods are elves, but they try to depict them fairly and spread them out throughout the races. Oh, well, this god's actually human, and this god's actually dwarf, and this god is actually a halfling. You know, again, maybe behind the scenes, they're like, no, well, obviously all the gods are elves. I mean, we're awesome. But I mean, we try to depict that we're fair. <laughs> so so we've, we've talked quite a bit about you know building the cosmology and how your people can affect your cosmology. Let's talk about the people and how the the cosmology can affect the people. Oh, sure. The populations. Um, so getting into more building this civilization that goes with this pantheon or this yeah. this world, because we wanted to talk about yeah. about population as well here. Well, I, I will. I would start that off uh, with a point that I was uh, actually hoping to make earlier was a lot of times your pantheons and your gods, you know, a lot of times they're built as if uh, the specific God created that certain race. I mean, think of why, you know, people, whether it's real or not, think of why people look to religion is something must be out there, but something must have created it all. So the gods are the creators. They're not just powerful beings that say what happens and what doesn't happen on their planet. They are the creators. So someone had to create something. And a lot of times you'll have that, you know, dwarven God, you know, uh, uh, Morden, I believe it is for Greyhawk. Morden under the uh, mountain is the main dwarf. Yeah, so he's the dwarven god, and most dwarves will, you know, will at least reference Morden, if not completely worship him. They might worship other gods here or there, but usually it's going to be Morden, because he's literally the guy that made them all. So you, when you're thinking your pantheon, you could uh, have your gods be uh, sort of racial specific. This is the guy who created you guys, and that's going to directly affect the population um, sort of supporting the god and the, the the god supporting the population. Right. Yeah. I mean, few are going to denounce their creator. <laughs> exactly. You know, they might. You know, like I might be a cleric of healing and you know and peace because that's the what I want to spread. But I'm still a dwarf, so and I'm never. So I'm never going to denounce my creator. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, and I think you can also, especially when you're getting into games and sometimes the epic scales they hit, is you can have. Um, opinions and pantheon, pantheons change opinions on the pantheon change uh, you know look at the contrast I mean I know I'm going back to Star Wars again but of Han Solo in the beginning of Star Wars to Han Solo when he's you know relatively early in his introduction in Force Awakens you, know, you go from oh the force is just a hokey old religion you don't need that you need a good blaster to it's true all of it right um 
as your players witness and interact with these, I think the players should should change their positions. I think the world may change its position. You may wind up having a god be slain, and that may be either the church may suddenly become very defensive if you bring that up and kind of start tending towards almost a violent reaction towards it, or may cause the church to collapse and affect your world in other ways. You know, now that this religion has suddenly drawn out of all these people's lives, what sort of chaos does that create? What type of despair and turmoil plunge into the world? I think when, again, looking at your population and how it's affected by the cosmology, again, you want to look at, you know, the, the pantheon that you've created, the, the the racial lineup, and have your population kind of reflect those ratios, so to speak. You know, if you have 12 deities and six of them are human, then you're probably going to want about 50% of your population to be human. Give or take. I mean, that's not a rule. That's just kind of a a guideline, you know, a place to start until you start fleshing out, you know, other ideas that you may have. Um, But important things to think about are going to be how active are your gods? Like, you know, again, like, you know, Ed and Jerry now mentioned, you know, like if these things, okay, if, if we've killed a God that changes the whole dynamic, you know, gods are now fallible. They can be killed. Sure. You know, they are now not the immortal almighty things that we thought they were. They might be very powerful beings, but no, they're not the unstoppable. Yeah. And other powerful beings might want to replace them. Exactly. You know, you know is that how- your character or does your character have to stop that person from replacing a God? Yeah, and that's another thing you have to think about about your cosmology is like in Forgotten Realms, if I recall correctly, if you killed a god, you took on its its circle, so to speak. You took on its its uh I don't know if that was a universal effect, but there was definitely uh during the time of troubles when the gods were exiled to uh Faerun, then they were specifically had, you know, if the avatar was if the avatar was killed, destroyed, then you could theoretically ascend and take over their responsibilities as the new deity. Yeah. So, you know, can you kill a God and take on his, his responsibilities and take on his circle of influence? Is it, can you be ascend to Godhood through worship? Mm. Can you, you know, cause again, like in Dragonlance, Raceland tried to just ascend to Godhood just straight up. Like, yes, he was trying to kill another goddess, but he was just trying to straight up ascend to Godhood. Yeah. And in my personal world, you know, in Wrath, I mean, it hasn't, it's not really talked about. I don't like necessarily advertise it until now. Um, cause Hang it's on, I'm on a podcast. So technically I'm advertising it, but, <laughs> but it's based on worship. You know what I mean? So like if some idiot hero can, you know, gain enough fame during his lifetime, then, you know, if he's lucky, he might get enough to when he dies or if, you know, maybe during the right sort of situation, not going to go into any details, but he could somehow ascend to Godhood. If as long as he has X along with Y, you know, and one of those, you know, um, important ingredients being, worshipers and the more worshipers you have the more powerful you have you know the more powerful you are and that's a not uncommon system for a lot of fantasy realm worlds is you know like worship is power to to deities so you have your lesser deities you have your greater deities you have your demigods you know that sort of thing that's actually god needs prayer badly yeah that's actually that's actually funny that you uh bring that up because uh i have a character that i played got a decade ago that was his whole point was he was trying to ascend to godhood like he found the loophole you know so he's now going around like stating that he is the avatar of the god and just trying to get people to worship him but then eventually they'll worship that god but by doing that they're just worshiping him so he's trying to ascend to godhood you know he's a charlatan and all that but he's trying to 
you know, do this, which I, I thought was I thought was great. And uh, so that certainly opens that up. You know, maybe your players can ascend to godhood uh, or maybe killing a god just creates a power vacuum. You know, yeah, it could be, you know, if one God dies and the other gods take on their power, you know what I mean? You know, like maybe they split it up, maybe they share it or maybe it just leaves a void. That was actually specifically in uh, in the Forgotten Realms when they when they were first finding out about how Godhood passed from one to another. Uh, they wound up killing. I believe Bane was killed first and being the God of lies and deception and the God of Death, whose name I can't recall, the original god of death, whose name I can't recall, um, wanted to take over that role, came into conflict with the mortal who could lay claim to it. And the mortal wound up winning, killing the god of death and taking over both roles. Um, Sirik, the new the new god in that role. So these are all things to think about and things to keep in mind, again, when working with your population, because, you know, again, how active are your gods? You know, can your pantheon be expanded? Can it be, you know, diminished? Is it infallible? Is it untouchable? If it's untouchable, you probably don't want them affect, you know, being physically on the world. I mean, yeah, maybe they send an avatar of some sort on occasion, but try to keep them a little bit more distance because if they're this unfallible, unkillable, untouchable machine, then really you're just sending on this super NPC that, right. Drake, you know, that yeah, just walks through everything. Well, you're not doing anything more than saying this is the way things are going to go because the GM says so and nobody can do anything. To yeah, change. it's just it's a I win card. Okay, well, I mean, that, but that's acceptable if you're just creating a pantheon. If you're just stating, hey, these, this is what exists in the world for you to worship, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But if you actually want the gods to be a part of your uh, campaign, then you may consider, you know, giving them avatars that are beatable, maybe at really high levels, but beatable, yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, if someone claims to be a god and they're not just some charlatan schmuck walking around, your fourth level guys probably shouldn't be able to beat up an avatar of a god, yeah. even if they are diminished in power. They should still be a powerful being. Yeah, I mean, I was just saying that's something you want to keep in mind if you want to have your gods be right. very active physically in your world, because um, that's going to be an important factor for, again, your populations. Like, if, if you have a mostly orc pantheon and they're very physically active in your world, then they're going to be down there crushing anything that's not orcs. You know what I mean? So that's going to be a very important piece of information for how you populate your world. Right. So you're going to need other gods or powerful beings to come try to help balance that out. Yeah. Huh, getting the Just getting the idea now, because a lot of, I have a lot of fun campaign ideas that come up while we're doing podcasts. It's like, I'll probably never get, be able to run this, but yeah, the idea of having, okay, a, dominant like orc or other monstrous gods and the players are still playing your traditional heroic races humans dwarves elves whatever except it's almost like a horror like we have to hide from this dominant race and we need to figure out a way to to move about it'd be a really interesting game yeah, some sometimes things that come out of my mouth do spark good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Once or twice, uh, yeah. And other other genres to think about as well. Uh, how the gods affect them, of course. Mysticism can affect uh, you know like a, a martial arts style, so ninjas sort of sort of game or or whatnot. If you have a superhero game running around, you know as we mentioned, superheroes bring gods in at times. Maybe you have superheroes powerful enough to take on the gods. And the superhero heroics um, also involve usually quite a bit of magic, which gets into mysticism. Sure. Um, you know, Doctor Strange going to theaters eventually. I don't know when it's out. Right. <laughs> it's actually November-ish, yeah. yeah. It's in November. I don't remember the date, but November. 
And then uh, uh, also, you know, sci-fi, you could learn that an alien race uh, that you was whoever you thought was your gods actually turned out to be a an alien race that came down and kind of checked on you, saw how you were. Uh, another example of that would be, in, again, in Fallout 3, uh, when the Asari learn that the... Mass Effect 3. I'm sorry, I said Fallout. I meant Mass Effect. In Mass <laughs> Effect 3, when the Asari uh, learn that the... Protheans? Protheans. Yeah, uh, when the Asari learned that the Protheans actually came to visit them when they were still young and tribal and whatnot, and the whole time the Asari worshipped them as gods, thought they were just Asari gods, uh, and then, you know, then all of a sudden this Asari character is starting to go through this kind of, you know, sort of... Uh, issue you know in her in her brain all everything she's known is maybe wrong because there's a living protein saying no that was us so that's always something to consider but and i think i think you should also be thinking about how cosmology affects the population on a very smaller very more individual level um i had the concept if you remember when we were talking about memorable npcs when we talked about accents Sure. And like, for example, you know, if you have a dwarf show up in a French accent, it's going to be hilarious and you're going to be talking about it forever. But imagine if you have a world where the dwarves all worship the Norse gods and, you know, it's all very Norse and dwarfy and they run into a, a dwarf and they're hanging out with him a little bit and something surprises him and he goes, by Zeus's beard. You know, mm. that's going to be, wait, don't you mean Odin's beard? Right. Um, so you can use the cosmology to add a little bit more flavor to your NPCs, you know, and how that affects them personally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, a game that I had run not, uh, not long ago, uh, I had different regions, had different gods, and I kind of did it like that. You know, if you were from, uh, I had on my continent, it was about in the southeast area. I fashioned it after the 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 Greek and sort of Roman areas. You know, I all their garb was, you know, sort of ancient Greek, ancient Roman style you know, garb, you know, uh, their idiosyncrasies were the same there. I tried to depict them as, you know, having usually darker, curlier hair and, you know, sort of bronzier skin, you know, that sort of thing. I tried to depict their armor as looking like ancient Greek or Roman armor and they worship the Greek pantheon there. Uh, so, I mean, you can do that. You can have the different realms split, split up like that. And so all of them, you know, I don't do a very good Greek accent or anything, but beyond that, you know, I just depicted all of the, uh, characters, I tried to describe them in a way that if you were, say, watching a movie based around, you know, uh, ancient Greece or ancient Rome, that's how they would or should be depicted, you know. Troy. Troy's a good example. Yeah. Well, I mean, in movies, any ancient Greek or ancient Roman speaks in a uh, 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 British accent. So, you know, you can't really go with that. But well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, that, that generic American accent. Yeah. Uh, another thing, touching on Pantheon before we wrap up, just because I, I was thinking, you know, oh, Gerard Butler spoke in a Scottish accent while playing a Greek uh, king. <laughs> um, was it another important factor for both population and cosmology to keep in mind is like what kind of vibe or type of game you want it to be? You know, like again, right. is it fantasy? Is it horror? Is it you know going to be like kind of like a very like a big thriller uh, game? Yeah. You know, so like that can affect. <laughs> that can affect how you have your population set up. It can also be how you can affect your cosmology. And what popped into my head when I was thinking horror was like Cthulhu. Yeah. Like the whole Cthulhu cosmology. Exactly. Like, you know, there is one giant, big, nasty god out there just itching to rip your face off. 
He is a great old one. Again, your your game doesn't have to be religious. It can or it can't be. Uh, you don't necessarily have to focus on the pantheons, but there's some ideas about how to populate your, your world. Um, and religion really touches on that. So setting up your pantheons one way or the other. Well, I mean, if you, if you look at our world, like our world is as much as we might not realize it. I mean, our world has been shaped by religion and all the various religions oh, oh, and, and faiths yeah. of, of this world, you know, you know, countries have been defined by, you know, borders of countries have been defined by people have been defined by wars have been fought over it. It's a very important and big role in your world. If you choose, you know, to, to make it a big part of your, you know, custom fantasy world. But of course it can be uh, uh, a heavy topic in your actual game, or it can just be background uh, flavor for your characters to, to pick on. Right. It's all about what makes your game the most fun for you and the players at the table. Right. Yeah. You can play D and D and just like have, and have clerics and be like, well, what God do you pray to? I like, I don't know. I just pray. I just get powers and you can, that can be fine. But like, like as long as you believe, then it's, you know, like it's just the, the simple act of having faith gives you your spells. My last two campaigns. One of the clerics was, this is my God. This is who he is. This is the tenets. This is what I follow. This is how I do it. This is how I do it. And the other one, I'm a cleric. It means I'm the healer of the group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I pray I get spells. You get both extremes. So. So let's wrap it up there. That sounds pretty good for a show for this week. If you have any comments about our topics today, any questions, or if you just want to share stories about the pantheons you may have created or anything else going on in your games, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. We have message boards available at gamemasterstudio.proboards.com. We're available on Facebook to like, comment, subscribe, have conversations with us. Twitter, GMS Studios. And of course, we do come back here every week with new information new shows to help you out with your games and try to help you become a better game master. We're wrapping it up for now. We're going to say goodnight and we will see you the next time that we are in the studio.